What's up, everybody? It is Reverend Lyle Lewis, a.k.a. Sean Lou, coming back at you yet one more time. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as you all know, I am a minister at the Word Evangelistic Church, where my pastor is the prophet Willie C. Townsend. My co-pastor is prophetess Denise Townsend. By all means, check us out on YouTube, wordevangelisticchurch.com. You can Google us. Um, uh, yeah, uh, check us out, man. We're all over the web. So we're on Facebook, you know, look us up, you know, you'll see lots of great content. Um, my pastor's always preaching the word of God as that's his passion to help save the world and, and get people redeemed in God. And, you know, I am doing my best to help join him in that passion because there's a lot of, you know, I understand that, you know, like Jesus said, said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. You know, he wants us to snatch people out of the fire that, you know, are are on their way to hell and, you know, that are in the wrong direction, in the wrong churches or whatever the case may be. So that's what I want to help my pastor do. That's what I want to help God do. That's what the Lord had called me into the ministry to do, to help, you know, preach the messages and preach the word of God and commit what I've heard unto faithful men. So, you know, whether you're sinner, whether you're saint, whether you're just listening for inspiration, I'm glad that you're tuning in. Keep listening to me. If you like what I'm telling you, Tune into the Word Evangelistic Church. Look us up. Trust me, you won't go wrong with listening to my pastor. He's the one that taught me, you know, how to break the Word of God down. He's the one that taught me everything that I know about the Bible. So if you like what you hear from me, you'll love what I, what you hear from him. But we're going to move on. So today, we're going to finally be ending our series on adding to your faith because we're going to go ahead and cover brotherly kindness and charity because you know they both fit hand in hand together basically brotherly kindness and charity basically are covering the grounds of love now i know the bible does separate now before i go ahead and get into it let me go ahead and cover the scriptures so that anybody who's um who wants to follow along in their bible they know where to go to go to second peter the first chapter and it starts at the fifth verse fifth verse and it says and besides this giving all diligence Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, what is the difference between brotherly kindness and charity? Now, there are both kinds, different kinds of love. Now, brotherly kindness uh, more or less extends to, you know, your reach inside of the church. Okay, your brothers, your sisters in God, in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Those are your brothers and sisters. As Jesus said, he said, who is my brother, sister and mother? He said, those that do the will of my father, brotherly kindness. So while you're in church, which is very important that you go and you find yourself a church home that, you know, is tied and connected with a good pastor that's tied and connected with God, because the Bible tells us that we should all that we should go to church. The Bible tells us that, to, that we should fellowship with each other. So you got it where a lot of people in these churches, they um, they 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 wind up going to a church. And then next thing you know, the church winds up divided because you have so much gossiping. You got people in the church who feel so they're better than other people. You got people in the church, some families that go, you know, they go to church. Some families feel as though they're more distinguished than other families. You know, you got people who come in the church and, you know, because they have more than another family, they look down on that family. Look. Your brotherly kindness stretch out to, stretches out to your brothers and sisters in the church, okay? You're not to look down on them. Why? Because you have to die just like they have to die. You have to be judged by God just like they have to be judged by God. And when you're acting like kind of 
stuck up and bougie towards your brothers and sisters, you never know. That person may be holier than you are. Don't look at it that just because they don't have a car, they don't have nice clothes, they're not eating well or whatever the case may be. Don't look at that as looking down on them. The Bible tells you don't look down on them. Hell, the Bible tells you if your brother is in need, it tells you to help them. Tells you to help them provide for them. Give them things that they need. You don't need for them to come and ask you. Go ask them. Go see, hey, you know, you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to you know, put their business out in the street. You can just go up to them just patiently, calmly and quietly on the side. Hey, listen, um, is everything okay? Do you guys need anything? The Lord put it on my heart to try to, you know, to be a blessing unto some folks. And I was just wondering, you know, is there anything I can help you guys with? Food, a ride to church, a ride home, you know, anything. You're supposed to help your brothers and sisters in Christ. But now you ask, okay, so you said that love and brotherly kindness, I mean, charity and brotherly kindness, charity is basically love. Charity and brotherly kindness kind of fall both under the, the, the contents of love. So then if brotherly kindness extends to those in the church, what is charity? Charity is love to all people. Okay? You should have love for those in the church and love for those outside of the church. See, it's good that churches do things like pass out food baskets. It's good that churches do things like provide shelter. But what a lot of churches are not doing are providing people with the word of God to help them to get saved. Okay? What does that have to do with charity? People mistake charity as just giving money or giving food or giving clothes. No, giving charity is not just that. Giving charity is also making sure that an individual has their spiritual and natural needs. You need to give love all the way around. Yes, you should do uh, 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 food baskets. Yes, you should donate your time. Yes, you should do all these great things because that's what a lot of charity is. You should donate money to your to your local church to help fund uh, 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 the ministry and things like that. But don't just leave it there. Don't just give out people's uh, don't just give out things to people for the natural and leave the spiritual aspect neglected. Now, what we're going to do right quick is we're going to go ahead and we're going to continue on with brotherly kindness. And then I'm going to go ahead and jump on the charity. OK, so we're going to go back to brotherly kindness right fast. And then we're going to jump on the charity. So with brotherly kindness. OK. You got a lot of times where people go to church and like I said, the church winds up divided because of how people feel about other people. Understand this in God. We are all equal. I don't care what you have or what you don't have. OK, there is nobody better than the next individual. Now, the world might play that game, but God and Christ do not play that game. The word of God does not play that game. Why? Because if there is not unity in the church, the church is divided. Jesus even said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. You wonder why there's a lot of lust spirits in these churches. You wonder why there's a lot of, uh, 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 you know, why there was a lot of death in churches and things like that. There's a lot of things that go on in a lot of churches where you look at like, why is this happening to this church? Well, part of it is because the church is not unified. If there's no brotherly kindness within the church, how is there unity? If there's no unity, how is there strength? See, you can't just be unified when the pastor tells you uh, to be unified. You need to be unified at all times within the church. You need to love your brothers and sisters at all times, not just sometimes, not just when it's convenient for you. Hey, man, I get it. There's a lot of times we don't have. And if that's the case, then the Lord understands. But if you do have, the Bible even says that, you know, what man has a friend that comes to him, cries out to him at night saying, you know, lend me loaves. I have guests over. Can you lend me some food? 
And he says, go away. I'm asleep with my children and everything else. He said, he said, not, not because of the, not for the sake of his friend, but because of the importunity, because of the need, the man will get up and give the man all that he needs and send him away. So you got to understand when the word of God goes forth, talking about brotherly kindness, it's telling you how you're supposed to operate towards your brother and towards your sister when it comes down to the church, because the Bible says, how can you say, God said in his word, how can you say you love me whom you've never seen, but hate your brother whom you see every day? So you get it where a lot of times the people will forget that aspect that Jesus also said that what you do to the least of these, my little ones, you have done unto me. So when you go behind your brothers and sisters back in the church, you talk about them, you put them down, you, you, you look down on them. You're also doing that to Christ. Remember, that soul along with yours, if you're truly saved, was purchased and bought with a price. Just like your soul was bought with a price. And guess what? Even the Bible states it was all bought with an equal price. Notice how Jesus Christ gave the parable of the men in the field. He said, come and work. At the end of the day, I'll pay you a penny. A penny for a day's work. And he gathered up men throughout the day, throughout the whole day. And then you had men at the ninth hour, the 10th hour and the 11th hour. And he went out there and he was like, what are you guys doing out here? They said, nobody hired me. He said, go in and work. I'll pay you a penny at the end of the day. When the 12th hour came, Jesus gathered, you know, he gathered everybody together and he paid them. And you had those that recruited at the first, second and third hour of the day felt as though I should get more because I put in more work. But Jesus Christ told him like, wait a minute. First and foremost, we agreed that I was going to pay you a penny a day for a day's work. You can't tell me I'm wrong for doing right with my money when this is what we agreed on. So what is that a parable of? Your blood, I mean, your, your, your soul was purchased with Jesus' blood for the same amount as that individual that you're talking bad about. The same amount of blood that Christ shed for you, he shed for that individual over there who does not have. He shed for that individual over there who you're talking about. He shed for that individual over there that's in need. Instead of looking down on them, find out how you can help. Instead of talking about them, find out how you can help. Now, mind you, yes, we do live in a society where everybody likes to, you know, keep to themselves. Nobody likes to ask for help. Nobody wants everybody in their business. I get that. And if they say, hey, no, I'm okay, then that's fine. But we need to stop having it be where in these churches, everybody wants to pretend like they're better than the next person. We're all here to be helped because none of us knew the way. So we all came to Christ. Christ directed us to the church that we are in. And now here it is. We all are supposed to be servants of Christ. Therefore, if we're supposed to be servants of Christ. We're supposed to check up on our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to make sure that our brothers and sisters have things that they may need. If they come to us and say they need help, that we need help, providing that we're able to give the help. Now, this isn't to say go out of your way to the point where you are just hurting yourself in a devastatingly in a devastating way. You know, count the cost with this, just like with anything else. You know what I'm saying? Learn to read spirits because, yes, you unfortunately, you do have people in the church who are not brothers and sisters, who pretend that they're brothers and sisters, who come and try to lean on the church and lean on the kindness of others, you know, 
But you'll learn to read people. Once you learn to read people, you'll know who your brothers and your sisters are. You'll know who your brother is, you'll know who your sister is, and you'll know who to, uh, who, who to admonish as your brother. Which admonish as your brother basically means to, you know, just reject them as a brother, you know. Don't 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 count them as an enemy. Just 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 reject them as a brother. They're not a brother. They're not a sister. You'll know who to, you know, who to who to who to, you know, weave through in and out through to, you know, to decipher who's who in within your, you know, spiritual family. But to your brothers and your sisters in God, to the elders in the church, hey, you should be of help to your pastor. Whatever his mission in God is, that you should get behind that. Because remember, God placed each and every last one of us in a church. So when the Lord placed you in a church, he puts you in that church for a reason. One of the reasons is to support the pastor. If you have a corrupt pastor, no, I, I encourage you, do not support him. If he's corrupt, I suggest you get out of the church. But if he's a holy man of God, he teaches the word of God from the word of God, not from Bible stories. In other words, he's not just teaching about Adam and Eve. He's not just teaching about doggone Jonah and the whale. He's not just teaching about uh, Moses and, and, and Pharaoh. He's teaching the word of God, breaking it down so that you can understand it and apply it to your life. He's really actually teaching you how to accept, how to live, how to grow in the word of God, in God, in your salvation, teaching you how to maintain it. He's actually teaching you. If you have a pastor that is actually doing that, part of your job in that church, part of the reason why God put you in that church is to support that man of God. That's only part of the reason. That's the, not the full reason. That's part of the reason. Another part is to help those that are also within the church, those that need the help. Those that are going without those who, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, why do I say this? Because you never know. One day you might lose everything and need help, too. The Bible says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. OK, God's not going to have it be where, you know, you're just every time, you know, life is just going to be so great and, and fantastic. You never know. See, don't always look at it that, um, Everything with you may be financial. You may, you might go into your church and you may be rich beyond your wildest dreams within the church. You may never fall into financial hardship, but your mind, you might need encouragement. You might need just somebody who just tells you they love you. You may be battling spirits and need somebody to pray with you. Your car may break down for the day. I don't care how rich you are. Everybody's car breaks down eventually. It happens. Car breaks down. You get into an accident. Anything happens. You might need somebody to help step in and be like, hey, I'll give you a ride until your car gets back up. You never know what you may be tested with, what may be taken away from you. how God may deal with you to help bring you to a certain point. See, God may strip you of everything. You might come into church rich. God strips you of everything so that he can remold you and restructure you to be a great vessel for him. You may come into church poor and the Lord blesses you and raises you up, but he does it for a reason so that because he knows that you have a good heart, you're going to help others. You never know what God may do for you, but whatever it is that God does for you, be sure 
Be sure, number one, to be thankful unto him. But then also be sure to find a way to be of help to your brothers and your sisters in the church. See, the first thing we want to do is we want to look at, oh, well, I want to be of help to my family. That's good. You want to be of help to them? Help save those that aren't saved in your family. Give them the word of God. Jesus Christ was preaching and people came and said, hey, Jesus, your mom and your, and your brothers and your sisters, they're all standing outside. They want to talk to you. Jesus Christ didn't stop doing the will of God. He said, who is my mother and brother? Who is my sister? He said, those that do the will of my father are the same. Does this mean reject and neglect your family? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he purchased you with his blood. Therefore, your family are those that are of the same spiritual bloodline. Be sure to take care of your spiritual bloodline first. Your natural family, hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying neglect them and all that other kind of stuff. What I'm saying is don't leave one and don't leave one undone. Take care of both of them. Do what you got to do for both of them, but be careful. Take care of your kids. Take care of your husband. Take care of your wife. If you're, you're if your natural brothers and sisters, you know, those that are birthed that you were in, you know, you were birthed into the same family, your mom, your dad, if they need something, yeah, go ahead and help them. But in the process of you helping them, remember, that's the family that you were birthed into, or that's the family that you created. But you also got to remember that while you can't neglect the family that you were, that you created or were birthed into, you definitely cannot neglect the family that you were spiritually engrafted into. Your brotherly kindness stretches out to both spiritually, spiritual and natural needs. You may need to pray for somebody. You may need just to fast with somebody. You know, the Bible tells us rejoice with them that rejoice. Mourn with them that mourn. You see that somebody got something in the church. I don't care how big or how small it is. Rejoice with them. I know, look, there's one thing about me. When folks get stuff like, you know, when there's people in my church, when they get stuff, I don't care how big, I don't care how small. If they come to me and they are proud about it, they're happy about it, man, you would, you would swear I'm more happier for them than they are. Because, I, man, I, 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 I praise God for them. I praise God with them. I tell them, great job. I say, man, this is great. This is beautiful. Hey, this and that, that and this. Hey, if they got a brand new house, man, I'm there at the house warming. I'm like, hey, all right, man, this is beautiful. I'm looking around the house. If they got a new car, I look at the car like, man, this is good. Man, how, oh, man, that's great. You got a great car note. You got a great rate. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Hell, if they got a new clothes, brother, sister, that looks fantastic on you. That looks real good. It's a good color on you. Why do I do that? The Bible tells me to. Why do I do that? It's in my heart to do it. Why do I do that? Because that helps my brother and my sister. But it doesn't just stop there. They say they need a ride home, get in the car. As long as they got a vehicle, yeah, hop in the car. I'll give you a ride home. They say they need some help, providing I got the time. And I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times where I really didn't have the time. But because my brother and sister needed the help, I said, hey, um, I'll figure out a way. I move some stuff around in my schedule and I go and I do what I got to do to help them out. You're not going to be able to do it all the time. But when you can, step in and do it. 
Because there's been times where I needed help. And I had to call on my brothers and sisters and they said, I'm on the way. What do you need? I got you. I've done everything from lend people money to, to fix cars, to fix their house. You know, I've done everything from cooking food for folks to raking leaves. I've, you know, because I made myself available to them. Because that's what the Bible tells me to do. Brotherly kindness is a part of me adding to my faith. Brotherly kindness is a part of me adding to my works of faith. Proving to God that I accept his word. Proving to God that I, 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 I value my salvation and I value the family that he has engrafted me into. Now let's move on to charity. Now, like I said, charity just is, 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 is like love. Charity is love all around. It's love for the people in the church. It's love for people outside of the church. It's love for people in your family. It's love for people in other family. It's love all the way around. So you got to understand without love, you can't do anything. See, the Bible, God is love. Yes, he is. But here's the part that people don't. Here's the part that a lot of churches, a lot of people forget to mention that while God is love, he's holy love. He's a certain kind of love. And he points out what love is in his word. God is more than just love of saving souls. God is more than just love of bringing people to heaven. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of love to where uh, 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 he opens up doors for individuals. God is a God of love where he heals people. God is also, and this is the most important part, a God of love in warning his people and all the people of the world. This is the reason why I said earlier, you can't just do charity in one aspect. You can't just give out food baskets. You can't just give out clothes. You can't just give out bus tickets and stuff like that. You also have to give the people the word of God. It's good to care for the natural aspect. If you look at Jesus, Jesus Christ fed the 5,000 people after he taught them. He sat there teaching them and then he fed them. He wasn't just feeding them. He didn't just feed them. No, he taught them and fed them. He cared for the spiritual man and the natural man. He cared for their inside and their outside. He cared for their body and for their soul. That was charity right there at its greatest work. He fed the people and he preached unto them. He taught his disciples, labored with his disciples so that he could help show them what charity is. Charity is an act of love all the way around. Charity isn't just in giving. Charity isn't just in giving money. It's not just in giving food. It's also in giving the word of God. It's also in leading individuals to the right path, to the right door spiritually. Remember, the Bible says straight and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and very few are going to find it. Part of your duty of charity is to help people find this straight and narrow path. 
part of your duty in charity is to help people help guide them to the door that they don't come in any other way but that they come in through the door the right way through the door because the bible says they come in any other way they're a thief and a robber but if they come in through the door they'll be saved don't just look at charity or brotherly kindness in one aspect Now, see, let me let me let me let me go on for, you know, what I'm saying now that we cover that, let me let me go on to something. I want to cover this right quick. It says for if now this is um, after all those scriptures This is after scripture seven and chapter one, second Peter chapter one. You know, we started at verse five to cover, you know, um, all the things to add to your faith in. But now we're going to go ahead and start at verse six. It said, for these, for if these things be in you and abound, what do it mean? Meaning that they're in you and they're growing in you. They're in you and they're showing. They're in you and they're like, they're, they're, you know what I'm saying? It's actually like, like, like your works are actually showing from the inside out. You're not just saying you got love. You're not just saying you got faith. You're actually showing works that, 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 that give you the right to say. So you got a lot of people who say they got brotherly kindness. Where's the works of brotherly kindness? You got a lot of people who say they got charity. Where's the works of charity? I've passed out food baskets. I've given people clothes. I preach the word of God. I give donations. I work with my pastor. I work with my brothers and sisters. I have the brotherly kindness. I have the charity. So I'm not just telling you to do this and not doing it myself. I'm an individual who's also practicing this. I'm not just telling you. I mean, I, I, I'm a practitioner as well as a preacher. All right. So it's not just that I'm just telling you to do it. I'm, I'm somebody who's doing it myself and it's paying off. Don't get me wrong. Understand this. And I'm, let, me, let me break this down for you. When you're doing brotherly kindness, when you're doing charity, do not, do not do it trying to look for a reward. Okay. That is a big mistake that I see a lot of people do. They go trying to do this and they're like, oh, the Lord's going to bless me. If you're going to do it, trying to look for a blessing, don't do it. I'm going to tell you right now, don't do it. You want to know why? Because even though you will get blessed for it, you will get blessed for it. You never know how God's going to bless you. See, God is not just going to bless you by giving you money. God may bless you by giving you the health and the strength. God may bless you by making sure your vehicle stays running. God may bless you by giving you a sound mind. God may bless you by making sure that, you know, uh, 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 there's harm that was going to be done to you. He helped you to avoid it. When you're looking for blessings, a lot of times they'll never come because God is going to wind up coming in a way where you're not looking. You're looking in front. Like, so like, okay, for instance, you're looking for money, a house, a car, a husband, a wife. You're looking for something like that. But, you know, God is making sure that, you, you know, that cancer that's developing you stays in, in remission. God is making sure that that diabetes problem that you have stays under control. And therefore, because you're looking in the wrong direction, you don't show the proper gratitude of what God is doing in the direction that you're not looking. So don't look for any, any reward. Let your reward be that you did the will of God. Let your reward be that you were obedient to the word of God. And then when you're not looking for the reward, they'll come. They will come. But they're going to come in God's time, not yours. See, with man, 
With man, you can do something and expect payment at a certain time. With God, he doesn't operate that way. You may not get paid till you get to heaven. This may all just go into your bucket of works for that when you stand before God in heaven, he says, hey, I see all your great works. You did this, you did that. Hey, come on in. I got great rewards for you up here. Just be grateful unto God. Be thankful that the Lord enabled you to do what you did and move on. Don't look for a reward. Don't look for a prize. If the Lord blesses you, great. If the Lord doesn't do anything for you, may God still be praised. Okay? Now, let me go on to the, uh, what is it? To the, uh, to the eighth verse, it said, for if these things be in you and abound, meaning these are things that like are showing through you. The works are showing of these things. If these things be in you, because when they're in you, they're going to show. What's in you is going to come out. If you hate people, it's going to show by the way you treat them, by the way you talk to them, by the way you talk about them, whatever. If you love people, it's the same way. It's going to show by the way you treat them, by the way you talk to them, by the way you talk about them, by the way you help them. It's going to show, right? So therefore, if these things be in you and abound, meaning show were outwardly, then they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things help to add wisdom, knowledge, strength, understanding in God. They help you to learn people. So you got to learn a lot of people are always like, I want to, you know, they want to grow in God. Do these things, add to your faith and you'll grow in God tremendously. You'll learn how people operate because you unfortunately, hey, in order for you to do all these things and other in order for you to show uh, all this stuff, uh, faith, in order for you to get faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, uh, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity, in order for you to get these things, you actually have to go and deal with people, fight spirits, deal with situations. You got to go through things. And these things give you the experience so that when other people come and they ask you questions, say, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle this. You have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, patience, you know, wisdom. You've got all these things to be able to tell them. Here's what I did. Here's how I handled it. Hey, I was going through this. I went through that. You know what I'm saying? Even the things where you don't really know what they're going through per se because you've never experienced it, you can still give them the word of God and encourage them. You can still tell them, hey, look, well, according to the word of God, here's what you should do. You can still be of help to them. It said that ye shall said ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, another thing, you can't be deceived. So you got to where a lot of people are going to try to tell you what you should be doing. Don't use your money for this. Don't take your money and do that. You're using your time for this. You're using your time for that. But because you've already applied all this stuff, you're showing all these things. You're operating in these things. You know for a fact that you're moving in the right direction. See, a lot of times people stop growing in faith because other people move them off of that direction. Especially when they're doing these last two showing brotherly kindness and charity. You have it where people will always tell you, you can do something better with your money. Why are you giving these clothes to the homeless? Why are you giving these clothes to your church? Why are you doing this for your church? Why are you doing that for, you know what I'm saying? There are always going to be people who are always going to be like, you. why are you doing this and doing that, blah, 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 when you're trying to do good? 
but it says you won't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, you'll already know for certain that this is what the Lord would have for you to do. You'll know what mission God has for you in your life. You'll know what it is that God has you to do in supporting your church and helping your pastor. Satan's going to try to come and he's going to question you. He's going to beat on your mind. He's going to say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you showing it? And you're going to be like, hey, look, the Bible told me to show brotherly kindness and charity. And that's what I'm doing with this. And you'll know it. You'll know it because, number one, it's in the word of God. The word of God is settled in heaven. So you can always back up. And I don't mean back up as in back away. I mean back up as in like lean on it, rely on it, rest in it. You can always back up on the word of God knowing that what you're doing is benefiting you, be it for this life or your afterlife or both. And it says that you shall neither be unfruitful or barren. And that also helps give you a surety of your salvation. See, when you do these things, you add to your faith. These things help give you a surety of your salvation. You need a surety of your salvation because if you aren't assured of your salvation, Satan can easily come in and scramble up your thoughts. He can easily come in and scramble up your works. Why? Because you aren't guarding them. When you know, like my pastor says, when you know that you know that you know that you know that what you're doing is the right thing, then you have confidence. You have a surety. You know what I'm saying? You do it with, with you know what I'm saying? You can do it and actually make a difference. You know what I'm saying? I know that the Lord called me to preach. That's the reason why I'm out here. And when you hear me preach, I preach the way that I preach. I preach with conviction. I preach with, 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 with passion. I preach with fire because I know that this is what the Lord, there's somebody out there that's listening. They need to hear this. And I'm reaching them right now. Because I know that this is what God has for me to do. And that'll be the same way with you. Nobody can talk me down from being a minister. Nobody can talk me down from my works that I do in God. Nobody can talk me down from my salvation. Why? I know the Lord saved me. I know why he saved me. I may not know to the fullest. In other words, you know, I may not know the full plan. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of things God will reveal in time. But I know everything that I know up until this point, I know. I'm 100% assured of it. Satan can't alter my thoughts. People can't come and talk me out of what I'm doing. Be careful of that. When you're growing in faith, that's one main thing you need to watch. Watch for your mind. Watch for people. Watch for Satan. Watch for yourself. Watch for circumstances. These are all things that are going to come, and they're going to try to smother your faith. They're going to try to take all that that you're trying to learn and develop in God, and it's going to try to lay it to waste. Don't let it happen. Get yourself building faith. Grow in faith. Add to your faith. You won't have to worry about Satan or anybody else doing anything to you. That's not to say you won't go through hard times. You will. But it's one thing to go through hard times with a surety. You know where you're going. You know what I'm saying? It's like if, you're, if, if, if you were following a map, right? You're following a map and you know that you are on the right path. You may drive through all kinds of different territories, but when you look at the map, the map says, keep going. You're five miles away. Everybody goes, are you sure? The map says five miles away. I know that the map isn't going to lie. We're on the right path. We're on, you know what I'm saying, whatever expressway heading south. That's where we need to go. 
we're on the right pathway. We're on the right expressway. We're looking for such and such exit so that we can go and get to our destination. But even if you have a map, if you're not sure of where you're going, if you're not sure that you're on the right path, if you're not sure of it, notice how people can ask you, are you sure you know where you're going? Uh, wait, uh, oh man. Like, well, let me see. Um, um, well, I thought I did. It, uh, this doesn't look anything like, oh man, like, I don't know. Man, are they sure? Like, this is what the map says. I don't know. And then next thing you know, that path that you should have just stayed on, you wind up detouring. You wind up taking another way. You wind up veering off. You wind up getting, you know what I'm saying? You wind up getting distracted. You wind up detouring or whatever the case may be. Next thing you know, you wind up hearing down the line. Yeah, you should have just kept down. You know what I mean? If you were on such and such, you should have just kept going. But now here it is. You're lost. You got to find your way back. You got to be careful of that. Okay, so it says, uh, in the ninth verse, it says, but he that lacketh these things is blind. Didn't I say you get lost? Didn't I say you get lost? The Bible even says he that lacks these things is blind. If you don't add to your faith, that means you're lacking. And if you're lacking in faith, that means you're blind. So this means that you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what's up ahead. You have no way of being able to try to, you know what I'm saying, work around things. And that's what the devil wants. He loves the Christians that are blind. He loves the people, Christian, whatever, look, I say Christians, I'm a Christian, but I'm not saying Christian to impose on you, whatever religion, as long as you're following the word of God. So I, I mostly just say save, but you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody. The religion doesn't matter. The salvation is what matters. As long as you're following the word of God, the way that it's supposed to be followed, then you're saved. So, you know, Satan loves anybody that's saved. He loves anybody that's saved, that has no knowledge, has no understanding. That doesn't have all these things of faith. That barely has faith. He loves those that just have basic faith. Because it's a good possibility he can shake you off of that basic faith. Why? You didn't do anything to grow it. You didn't do anything to develop it. Look at a child. If you get a 45-year-old man with the lungs, the liver, the doggone blood vessels and everything of a doggone newborn, that man is living a horrible life. It's a miracle that he's alive, but I guarantee you he's wishing that somebody would kill him. I can almost guarantee it. Because he's too sick to do anything. He's, he, 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 he can't, he, 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 he probably hasn't even grown. Physically, that is, physically. You look at a lot of these people out here, you know, and they're they're, you know what I'm saying? They're they're you know, they 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 they're not growing properly. And then you look up, ask them that a lot of them, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are on medications. Why? Because something is underdeveloped with inside of them that they, you know, and and now it's hurting them. It's not functioning properly. You know what I'm saying? But notice an individual who's 40 year old, who's 40 years old with a healthy set of lungs. Be it he's got the lungs of a 40 year old or he's got the lungs of a 20 year old because he stays in shape. 
that person they live a quality life they're not lacking in things it says but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten what he was purged from forgotten that he was purged from his old sins so this means that like I said Satan loves individuals that are saved that aren't growing in faith because now he can come and he can notice what I said he can make you, you know what I'm saying? He'll make you unsure of yourself. Now, if he makes you unsure of yourself, notice an individual that is unsure. They're very suggestible. You can tell them anything. You can you can say things to them and they'll just go along with you. An individual that's unsure are normally, 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 not all the time, but normally they're the most gullible. They're the most ones that you can always kind of say something to them and they'll be like, really, you think so? And they'll go along with what you say. Why? They don't know any better. They don't know, so they got to hope that you know and you're giving them right information. But an individual who knows, they get somebody who gives them wrong information, they'll tell them in a heartbeat, no, 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 that's not the way, nope. I tell you how I know. I know because such and such, such and such, such, such. Or I tell you what, walk up to the set, walk up to three kids and tell them two plus, tell, tell, three kids, and I mean like kids who are, I'd say probably in third grade, okay? Walk up to a third grader, walk up to a, a, a first grader, and walk up to somebody who's in preschool and tell them one plus one is two. The third grader's gonna, no, tell them one plus one is four. The third grader's gonna tell you, no, it's not, one plus one is two. The one that's in, the one that's in first grade, he might be like, I, no, one plus one is, yeah, yeah, that's what we learned in school. You know, he's going to be a little bit, he may be a little bit shaky. You get the kindergartner or the first grader, they might be a little bit shaky on that. Let's go to kindergartner. The kindergartner will be a little bit shaky on it. No, I, one plus one is two. Cause we just learned that in school. They, 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 you know, you may be able to tell them wrong, you, or they may be like, no, I, I don't think that's right. They may tell you. But you go to the preschooler who doesn't know math, and you tell them one plus one is four, they're going to say, Really? And you wonder what they're going to do. They're going to run and tell everybody else, hey, one plus one is four. My daddy told me one plus one is four. My uncle told me one plus four is four. If they don't know, or if they're suggestible because of unsurety, you can tell them what you want them to know. But the one who knows, you can't shake him. Because he'll tell you all day, he'll argue with you tooth and nail and say that it's not the right way. That's how you need to get. As an individual that's saved, you need to become unshakable. And how do you become unshakable? Grow in faith. Add to your faith. Love is one of the greatest things to add to your faith. Well, if love is one of the greatest things to add to your faith, why did God basically put the love parts last? You got to understand. When you're growing in faith, there is no right or wrong order to grow in. Just as long as you grow, that's all that matters. These weren't put in this order for a specific reason. These are just, that's just the way that it came out. Grow in love, grow in knowledge. Grow in brotherly kindness. Grow in wisdom. Grow in these things. They're only going to help you and benefit you. You don't have to grow in that order. You don't have to have, you know, the, I would say this. You do have to have faith first. That's, 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 if you, you know, that would have to definitely come first. Your faith would definitely have to come first. After you get faith, it doesn't matter. Just grow. It's all that matters.
grow and grow the right way. That's all that matters. And I say this and I'm going to leave you with this. Your growth is up to you though. It's not up to God. God helps you to grow. It's like mom or the dad or the uncle or the aunt or the big brother or big sister that helps you to learn how to ride a bike. They're not riding the bike for you. They may start off holding the bike up for you, but eventually they're going to let you go. In other words, God is not going to, you know what I'm saying? There's going to come a point in time where you're going to have to try to go on your own. Not to say that God will not be with you. I don't mean go on your own as far as like the Lord's not going to be with you. I mean, go on your own as far as, you know, you're not going to have somebody there holding your hand the whole time. God can't ride the bike for you. You got to ride the bike. God can't grow your salvation. You have to grow your salvation. You have to grow your faith. You have to add to your faith. God will teach you how to add to your faith and what to add to your faith. Now it's up to you. It's like going to the grocery store. Somebody.